And so this morning, we start a new series. It's basically a five-part series, um, and the series talks about the promise. Now, because we have two services, in the second services, we'll be taking time to talk about how certain people received our part of the promise. During the first service, God giving us the grace, we will talk about some of the principles of God's promises. Because if you don't know the principles of a promise made by God, it might be difficult to receive the totality of his promises. And so I want you to be very, very attentive. This is, this is a series that you don't want to miss any. If you are here for the first service, I encourage you when you go home, tune in for the second service. And if you are here for the second service, I encourage you to tune in for the first service. Praise the Lord. Let's open together to Numbers chapter 23. Numbers chapter 23. Numbers chapter 23. I'm going to read a short, what you can call a short CV of God. Because, you know, there's a difference between a CV and a resume. And so I'm going to read a short CV of God in this passage. And uh, it's written for us and proclaimed by a prophet of what he knew concerning God. It's like you asking for reference from the prophet. And he says from verse 19, he says, God is not a man that he will lie. Neither is he a human being that he will change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Then he says, I have received the command to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot change it. He says, there is no misfortune that will be seen in Jacob, and there is no misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them, and the shout of the king is among them. He says, God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. There is no divination against Jacob. No evil omens against Israel. It will now be said of both Jacob and of Israel that see what God has done for them. May the Lord bless the reading of his mighty holy word. Amen. And so this morning, you already saw from the, uh, from the short video that was shown to you, he gave us an introduction, which is just a minor one that I will just repeat for the benefit of those that like to take notes. Number one, he says that a promise is an assurance or a guarantee that something that is spoken that by the one promising it, or for the benefit of today's message, I will call it the promiser, the one that is promising that it will come to pass. It is a guarantee given by the one speaking. Amen? Amen. A promise is an assurance that you can take away. A promise is something that you can begin to act upon. A promise, once it is given, it is assumed that it's already come, going to come to pass it's already it's just a matter of time. 
And so we, as human beings, and that's why I read that passage, we as human beings, we make promises all the time. It is unfortunate that sometimes we see them true, and sometimes we don't. Thank you very much. God bless you. Sometimes we don't. And that is why every time you listen or you read that passage, you says God is not a man that he will lie. It means that it is possible for a man to make a promise and lie. It is also possible that a man will make a promise and does not have the capacity to fulfill it. And so it is not every broken promise that is a lie. Sometimes people mean well, but circumstances beyond their control will make them not to be able to fulfill the promise. But thank God Almighty that we serve a God that circumstances can never be beyond his control. Thank God that we serve a God that he has all the capacity innate within him to do whatever he promises. But God is different. When God makes a promise, I can be confident. You can be confident that he will be faithful to bring it to fruition. In fact, if God needs to twist your hand sometimes to make his promise come to pass, he does. If God needs to use evil forces to help you, he does. If God needs to use the elements of nature to help you, he does. Because God will make sure that as much as depends on him, his promises come to pass. Then we also know that the Bible is full of promises of God to his people. Now, Different scholars have tried to calculate how many promises are in scripture. It is so, it is, I mean, I know that there are some people that is all they do. Now, for your information, there is a Bible that is just the Bible of the promises of God. And so, if you are one of those people that like specialized knowledge, you can get the Bible. It is a Bible, it's actually a rainbow Bible. I have one. And what the Bible does is that every time that there's a promise, a different color is highlighted on it. And so that way, when you are reading your scripture, even some of the passages that you don't recognize are promises, it jumps out to you as a promise. Because what you don't know, you cannot claim. And what you don't claim cannot become yours. And so we know that, and we also know that there's one life-changing promise that we celebrate every year, every single year, and that is the promise of the Savior. Either we like it or not, the world has not only accepted it, the world has made it into a festivity that has gone beyond the control of the world itself. And that is why every Christmas, business is shut down. Every Christmas, even people that don't take a break, they take a break. Every Christmas... It doesn't matter your religion, everybody celebrates it. And so that is a promise that God gave unto all humanity that a Savior is coming. And what is the name of that Savior? Jesus. What is the name again of that Savior? Jesus. And so we know, not that we think, we know that the promise of the Savior, if it was given, which was about the most difficult thing that God could do, there are not much more little, little promises that God makes to me and you. If God can promise his own son to say, I will send my son, I know they will not treat him well, 
but I will still send him to die. Then how much more? The Bible says that if God freely gave us his only begotten son, then what is that thing then that we can ask of this God that he will not give? And so we recognize that. We also recognize the fact that in the New Testament alone, this one I can verify, in the New Testament alone, there are at least 750 promises. Now, if you look at them, they have been grouped into about a little over 200 sections because there are some promises that are repeated in different places. And so when you group them, it gives you the promises of God concerning anything that you can ever think about. And that is why the Bible says that he is able to do abundantly above all. There are some promises that you don't even know are there, but they are there. And so, I want to give you four things that he promised us, very quickly. Four things. Now, today, for some reason, I went back to elementary school. And so, what I decided is that all the points I'll give you today, they'll be in the format of A, B, C, and D. And that is because we are going back to school. Amen? Good. Number one, or let me say A. A promise awakens hope. A promise awakens what? Sometimes a promise actually gives hope or it restores hope. There is a reason why God, for example, we say in four different places that the just shall live by faith. It is because God realizes that sometimes when men hear once, it doesn't stick. When they hear a second time, it doesn't stick. And so God had to say it four different times. That the just shall live by faith. So whenever a promise is made, there is hope. Whenever a promise is made, sometimes even if the hope is dying, it is restored. Number two, a promise brings peace of mind. A promise brings peace of mind. Whenever somebody makes a promise to you, you suddenly realize that even human beings, when they make you a promise, some of the things that were worrying you, they suddenly go away. How much more when God speaks? When God says, I will be with you, and yet you are still scared. A promise brings peace of mind. Number three, a promise confirms God's love. A promise confirms what? And then number four, a promise delivers joy. Whenever a promise is received, I have never, 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 never seen anybody receive a promise and say, since I received that promise, I've been sad. Whenever a promise is received, there is joy. In fact, God told, the angel told Zechariah, from what we read last week, he said, and you shall have what? Joy. That when that promise is fulfilled, there will be joy. So four four things. A promise awakens hope. Number two, a promise brings what? Number three, a promise. Number four, a promise good. Now we are still in pre-kindergarten now. 
So that's, that's the way we used to do in those days. Now, who is, it, who is God's promise for? <laughs> who is God's promise for? Good. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. The Bible says, And the promise is unto you, and to who else? And to your children, and to who else? To all who are afar off, and as many as the Lord our God will call. Brethren, it doesn't matter how you interpret that passage, you fall into one of them. You might not have been an apostle, so you could say it was not directed to you. Because Peter was speaking to a crowd, you remember? And so it is possible that because you are not in that crowd, you can believe that maybe it wasn't for you. You can also believe that because you are not part of that crowd, that it might not have applied to your children. But thank God, the God that is complete, he says, and to all who are where? Afar off. Is Canada afar off from Israel or not? It is. So is the promise for you? Yes. And then he also gives another one. He says, and as many as the Lord our God will come. Has God called you? Did God call you? So if God called you, is the promise for you? Good. So now once we have established, number one, the things that the promise does, number two, who the promise is for, now I'm going to give you in alphabetical order how should you then respond to the promise of God? How should you then respond to the promise of God? Now, let me stop here quickly and say one of two things. Whenever God makes a promise, that promise is no longer dependent on God. Let me say that again. Whenever God has spoken a promise, the fulfillment of that promise no longer depends on God. In fact, when God makes a promise, in my mind, it is like God signing off on it. To say, Gabriel, I have signed off, you can carry it out. It is to say, Michael, I have signed off, you can carry it out. It is to say, Holy Spirit of God, I have signed off, you can carry it out. And so, if the promises of God then do not depend on God, if the promises of God do not depend on circumstances, and there are only two of us when it comes to a promise, then it means that the promises of God ultimately depend on me. Are we together? So number one. Number one, what is the first thing that you do when God gives you a promise? You accept it. What the first thing you do? You accept it. Now, what does it mean to accept a promise? To accept a promise means to agree with it. The Bible says, can two work together except they agree? Brethren, let me quickly say it. Either you understand the promise or not, just agree with it.
Most of us go to work, and at work, our bosses and people... Let, let me not even use that. Let me use when you go, for example. God forbid you have a case in court, and, and your lawyer says, this is what we are going to do. Don't you agree with it? You do. You go and meet your financial planner, and your financial planner says, if you want to retire at the age of, 20, uh, at the age of 62... And you need one million to retire. This is what you need to do. What do you do? You agree with it. So when men are making meanwhile, when men are making those promises and you are agreeing, how much more the God that says with long life, I will satisfy you. So what's the first thing you do? You accept it and you make sure that you do what? You agree with it. In fact, you will remember in the book of Luke chapter 1 verse 38. Let me read that for you quickly. Luke 138. I'll just read it. Luke 138. I just want to show you what the Bible says concerning when the angel had spoken. Luke 138. And the Bible says, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. Did she agree with it or not? She did. Number two, what do you do? Oh, by the way, when you agree, it forms the foundation for receiving from God. You cannot receive something you don't agree with. You cannot accept something you don't agree with. So it forms the foundation for your receiving. Number two, after you accept it, believe it. When you believe it, it puts you in right standing with God. Let me quickly say that accepting it is not enough. The Bible says, and Abraham believed God, and God counted it to him for what? Righteousness. Righteousness means to be in right standing. Romans chapter 10, verse 10, it says, with the heart, Man believes unto what? Righteousness. When you receive it, please believe it. It puts you in right standing with God. And then you ask a question. Why should you believe every promise? I'll give you just two reasons. Number one, if the person that is promising has a track record of faithfulness, then you know that he's not going to break his record because of you. If God has a track record, he will not break that record just because of you. The Bible says in Titus chapter 1, Paul is writing here, it says, which God who cannot lie, he promised before time began. So if God made a promise long ago, and then you are born in the year 1965, 1982, 1994, and then you think that God is going to break the promise he made before the earth was formed? It will not happen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is what? A faithful. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. It says that Sarah judged him faithful who had promised. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56. I like that one specifically. When Solomon was dedicating the house of the Lord, 
and he was blessing the people. The Bible says, he said, blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel. According to all that he has promised, there has not failed one word of all of his good promise. Solomon, that lived under a covenant that was not as good as the covenant that you are living under. He said, not one. The other reason why you need to believe God's promise is that he has the capacity to deliver. There's a saying in those days that if somebody promises you a, a, a dress, you first of all look and see if he's naked. Uh, I adjusted it. The elders will forgive me. <laughs> but I adjusted the saying. The saying says, you first of all look at the one he himself is wearing. But then, if the person promising you a shirt is naked, you better look elsewhere. Maybe the elders will allow me to adjust the saying. Number three, we've looked at the A, we've looked at the B, look at the C. Begin to confess it. When you confess it, it brings confidence. Oh, brethren, I have seen that. Confession brings confidence. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I am wonderfully and beautifully made. It's confession. As part of confession is prayer. Because if I had waited to put P... I had to have a lot of them. So I put, P, I put prayer under confession. And now, let me just say this. When you get to prayer, it is not so much of what God has promised, it is so much of you praying that you will be in line and that you will be prepared to receive the promise. You can't pray God to fulfill his promises. He's already promised it. Amen? Amen. You can remind God about his promises. He said, put put me in what? In remembrance. It's in the scriptures. When you put him in remembrance, but then you pray for yourself and say, God, help my unbelief. Help me to accept it. You pray for yourself so that you will receive it. I will come back to prayer much later in, during the series. Number four. Let's, let's review a little bit. What is the A? What is the B? What is the C? Now, the D is you do it. Oh, brethren, please don't ask questions. Just do it. God says, ask the children of Israel to move forward. Just do it. He says that the Egyptians that you see today, you see them no more. Is that a promise or not? Yes. But then the next thing he says, tell them to move forward. That is the only way they can achieve what I've just said. Stop asking questions. We become so intellectual that we want God to explain himself. He owes you no explanation. God says, go to the way to Samaria. You say, why? He says, no problem. Since you are not going to Philip, I call Andrew. 
I prefer the ones that don't ask too many questions. He says, you have been chosen to be the mother of Jesus. He said, how can I know these things? He said, that's a good enough question. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. She's not asking questions in that way. She's saying, how will I myself know? And he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That is the way I will do it. I will expand on all of these things later. When you do it, it's an evidence that you believe what you are saying. Let me quickly say that whatever you are believing God for and you are not doing, you are telling God that with your mouth you are, you are saying, but with your spirit you don't believe it. Oh, yes. Somebody says, oh, I believe God strongly. I will be a big business person. But for 18 years, you have not started that business yet. Do we become business people by wishing? No. How do we become business people? By doing. And the Bible did not say that God will bless the wish of your heart. The Bible says that God will bless the work of your hands. Something you do. You accept it. You believe it. You confess it. You do it. What is the E? You expect it. Oh, brother, don't tell me that I'm just doing it because it is, it is my duty to do. No. The Bible says, and then there is an expectation. And that the expectation of what? The righteous shall not be cut off. When you are doing something, you better expect. It will be foolish of a farmer to say, I planted, but I'm expecting nothing. I don't care if weeds, I don't care if uh, pests, I don't care what happens because I'm expecting nothing. God is not a God of waste. When you invest, you must reap. And so, when you accept and you believe the promises of God, brethren, begin to expect something. Should I tell you some of the manifestation of expectation? It's called preparation. When you know that something is going to happen, do you prepare or not? Uh, Let me give you an example. Before we had our first child, it got to a point, suddenly I noticed that the kind of thing my wife was buying became different. She would go buy this. I said, what, what is that for? He said, ah, for the child that is coming. You think it is by chance that when the woman is pregnant, what do we say? We are expecting. Do you prepare for a child that you are expecting or not? It will be dangerous. He said, when I see the child, I will prepare. I like... Judges chapter 13, verse 8. Write it down and read it later. Judges chapter 13, verse 8. There was, a prophet, there was a man there called Manoah, the father of Samson. And the angel came to his mother and said, look, you're going to have a child. The father said, ah, 
This woman, somebody told you you are going to have a child. It has never been recorded in history that somebody gave birth to a child that is called a Nazarite. But you didn't ask any question. And so what did Manoah do? He says, no, verse 8, not verse 7, verse 8. He says, then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, oh my Lord, please let the man of God you said come to him and do what? Teach us what we shall do. Is he already expecting the child or not? He's already praying that God, my wife is not pregnant yet too. But when she gives birth and this child starts running around the house, how do we manage him? This is a prayer that is three years ahead. Most of our own prayers are only one hour ahead. Are we together? So expectation is an indication that you are working in life. In fact, if you are not expecting, then there's no point in doing it. Number six. My time is running out now. Number six, you fight for it. Oh, thank God for Apostle Paul. He says you fight the good fight of faith. You fight for it. And there's a reason why that passage is there. It is because there will be obstacles, there will be hurdles, there will be things, there will be discouragement, there will be things along the line, and so you fight. When you are fighting, part of your fight is patience. Acts chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. He said, don't throw away your confidence. He said, but after you have done the will of God, he said, you have need of patience. Brethren, when the promises of God are made to you, be ready to fight for it. Number seven. As you are fighting for it, you guard the promise. You guard the promise. And now what do I mean by guarding the promise? You guard the promise by making sure that you don't step outside of the realm of the promise. Second, Kings, Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. The Bible says, because then we have these promises there, brethren, let us do the following things. Because we have the promises. And so if we have the promises, then it means that the promise will come to pass unless we ourselves don't allow it. He said, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. You can ask Joseph. Joseph knows about that. He said, let us walk towards complete holiness because we fear God. He says, come out from among them. Separate yourself. Don't touch anything filthy. Because you guard the promise. Let me sound, because when it says separate yourself, the promise of God to you, we need a different separation from the promise of God to you. God, you give me the grace. During the, during the, during the, uh, during the series, I'll talk about it. The promise of God to Abraham needed different conditions than the promise of God to Joseph. Are we together? So please, don't say because my sister did this, I'm going to do the same. The promises of God are individualized. It doesn't matter that your father did that. 
No, your father's time has gone. God is dealing with you now as a person. Have you forgotten? God was the same God that told one to go. Is the same God that told one not to go. And so if you have followed the fact that he told one to go, you will go and miss the mark. Number eight. And I will stop at this one. Now, number eight is very, very similar to number five. Because number eight simply says you hope for it. And the reason why I put number eight there is because the hope is the foundation on which your faith stands. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things that you are hoping for. Now, hope is an attitude of the mind. Hope is not an action. Are we getting it? The minute you put action to it, it's called faith. That is why hope is always for the future. Action, which is for now, is the faith. Are we together? Now, having said this, I will give you just one example of somebody that put all of them together. You know, if you read, I think it's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. I think it's Hebrews 11, 11. The Bible makes a summary about Sarah. Until you get time or you make out the time to understand that the things of God are so condensed that you are the one that needs to unwrap them. It says here that by faith Sarah also receives strength to do what? To conceive seed. Now let me explain this to you. Because that is condensed, right? What does it mean? Now, depending on which books you read, I am one of those people that I read a lot of extra biblical sources to put, to put things in shape. I get the impression that as at that time, Sarah herself was how old? About 89. If Sarah was 89... And those of you that are women that have passed the age of 45, you understand that something begins to happen in your body. Then you also understand that as those things happen in your body, there are some of the things that you enjoyed before that you no longer enjoy. And so when she says, shall I then have pleasure knowing that both my husband and me were old. Brother, let me tell you the truth. They were no longer having intercourse. But because God promised, and because she believed it, they resumed what will lead to conception. Are we together? So what it means is that even things you stop doing, if you really believe the promise of God, you start doing it again. Are we together? And then he now says she bore a child when she was what? Past the age. Because she judged God faithful that I'm not doing this for nothing. Are we together? 
Go through all the eight steps there, and you will see that Sarah will fit there. Another person that will fit there is Elizabeth, since we are talking about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ that was promised by John. Elizabeth will fit the same criteria. For your information, the Bible does not tell us how old Elizabeth was. But Bible scholars believe that Elizabeth will have been close to 88. And Bible scholars tell us that Zachariah, in case you don't know, if you go back to Luke chapter 1, the Bible says that when, it, when the Lord fell on him, meaning that, you know, if you belong to the list of people that could do those things, what happens is that you are only allowed to do it once in your lifetime. Because there were so many people. And that once, they determined it by casting lots. God knows when Zechariah had been, when they've been casting lots, I didn't pick him. Elizabeth is 88 now. Let us assume that that is right. Why do you then think, because I know a lot of you, you say uh, she went to hide herself so that evil forces won't come and eat the pregnancy. It was a thing of shame that an 88-year-old man is pregnant. That's the reason she went to eat herself. Whatever promise God has made, no demon can eat it away. No demon, unless it's not God that made it. And so somebody telling me, I, I, I'm hiding my pregnancy. Don't they know where you're hiding? We talk as if the spiritual world is the same as the physical world. In the spiritual world, there's no distance. They can see the corner of your room that you're hiding. So the reason she went to hide herself is because she noticed that, ah, I will I face Mary. That young girl that when she got, gets here by her culture, she greets me the cultural way. Now she will look at me that I'm pregnant. The last time she saw me, she saw that I could hardly walk well because of my cane. Now she sees me carrying a pregnancy. The Bible says she went to hide herself for six months. Brethren, the promises of God are for you. The promises of God are for me. God will not change his promises at all. In the next four weeks, by the grace of God, we will break some things down so that you understand that as you are entering the new year, a word will come. When that word comes, you accept it. When that word comes, you believe it. When that word comes, you begin to confess it. When that word comes, what do you do? You do it. When that word comes, you expect it. When that word comes, what do you do? You fight for it. When the word comes, you guard it. And when the word comes, you hope for it. Let us stand on our feet. Just stand on your feet. Is there one of these areas where you have challenge? You have just about two or three minutes quickly. One of these areas where you have challenge. Is it a challenge with accepting the word of God? Is it a challenge with believing the word of God? Is it a challenge with confessing the word of God? Is it a challenge with doing the word of God? Is it a challenge with the expectation that you are supposed to have? Is it a challenge with your faith? Is it a challenge with guarding it and hoping for it? Brother, lift up your voice and talk to God and say, Father, I need help in these areas. 
I need help in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. You have just one minute.